that we are um, that we that we do just uh, praise you for who you are and uh, for what you do in our lives and just uh, how we walk through our lives uh, knowing that you are in charge. And Lord, thank you for reminding us that you are in charge, that uh, uh, we are not to walk through this life um, unless we are you know, knowing that we are always your humble servant walking where you want us to walk. Um, you allow everything in our lives to uh, conform us to the likeness of your Son. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you that uh, you have gone before us. We thank you that you've paved the way. We thank you that um, no matter what trouble comes along, that uh, you are the overcomer because you have overcome the world. And so we thank you that we can walk in your power. We can walk in your might. We, can, we don't have... Um, the spirit of timidity or of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I praise you for that. I thank you that, um, I thank you for the book of Daniel. I thank you that we can, uh, it's not just a story and all the cool stories you might have heard in Sunday school, but it is totally your power, your sovereignty, your rulership, that you are God, we are not, and that uh, judgment will come if we do not continue to um, walk in your way and and try to take it from you. Lord, thank you that you're so long-suffering, though so long-suffering, that you're always showing us the way, you're always showing us the truth, you're always showing us the life through Jesus Christ who died for us, Lord. And so I, I thank you how um, we are living on this side of heaven uh, in that power, in that love, and in that um, strength, which only comes from you. Lord, I ask that as we walk each day, that people would be drawn to us and that we'd point them to Jesus, uh, who is the author and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. Lord, thank you that he authored our faith, but that he perfects it. Lord, let us come willingly and let him perfect our faith as we continue to walk in and through you. Lord, I thank you for these precious women. I thank you for uh, whatever they are going through, their struggles, their um, overcoming moments, Lord, their their personal hearts, their their you know them inside and out. And so, Lord, we ask that you create in us a clean heart, that you'd search us and try us and see if there'd be any wicked way in us, and that we would be uh, before you and open before you and willing to uh, take what is from your hand and uh, know that you already have it done in the heavenlies. And so we praise you for that. Thank you for Daniel. What a man of integrity. Lord, help us to be Daniel's, Lord, in our lives. And uh, let us hear from your word, which as we read it, it reads us, Lord. And so change us today. Holy Spirit, speak in general and then take it in specific, Lord, to each, each lady's heart and mind and renew us, God. Let us be not conformed to this world, but transformed made new, completely made new, complete new person uh, by being renewed, Lord, in you, the mind of Christ. So thank you, Jesus. Speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. All right. We, uh, we're in Daniel, and we will be in Daniel for a while. Hi, dear. There's a chair here. We're in Daniel. And there's a chair back there. We're in Daniel, and we had, we had been going through um, Daniel 5, where we had come to the point where um, Belshazzar was the uh, ruler, 
And we had learned that Belshazzar was having a big old party. This is after Nebuchadnezzar had died. Uh, it was years later because they had gone through numerous kings. And since Nebuchadnezzar had died, remember he had come to know Jesus. God had humbled him out in the middle of nowhere uh, for seven years. He had come to know him as, as his personal Yahweh Most High God. And then, uh, and then he, um, after 43 years, he had died. So then there are kings that came after him and water seeks its own level and so it kept going down, kept going down, kept going down. They did not continue to proclaim the Most High God. They were living with the, you know, the idols, the gods, all the kind of stuff, so it all came back around. You know, remember if you don't, you guys, it'll all come back around if you don't keep on keeping on. You know that, right? Okay, that's why I wear my retainer at night. Okay, it's always a good thing. I wear my retainer because my teeth want to go back to their original position. Okay, and so when you put your retainer in, it tells me all the time. It's like you know what? I want to go back to my original flesh, my original. Well, that's how we're, our bent is. That's how our bent is. And so that retainer goes, nope, not going to do it not going to do it. And in the morning, my teeth are absolutely perfect. And by about nine o'clock in the morning, um, my bottom teeth have already moved. See, they want to go back to the original position. And that's exactly what happened in Babylon. Kept going back, kept going back, kept going back, kept going back. Well, so Belshazzar is in charge now, and now he's eating and drinking. He's having, you know, orgies, drunkenness, all kinds of parties. For thousands of people, and um, he is co-ruler with Nabodirus, who's outside keeping all the uh, Persians and Medes away uh, at, for the time being. And of course, inside Belshazzar is partying with all these people because he can, because that's what he wants to do, because that's how he lives, and because he thinks that the big old fortress of 19 miles of wall and you know 90 feet tall and uh, 20 feet wide, uh, and all that you know they had three years. Three years of um, all kinds of commodities and everything that they would need so they could just be inside this big fortress, that they were just fine. So they would just eat, drink, and be merry, except they forgot about Yahweh God. They forgot about Yahweh God. And so he uh, was eat, drinking, and being merry, and he said, you know what, why don't you bring those goblets over that, you know, that we can, you know, that... that we can blaspheme God with and this and that and everything. We'll drink uh, to our gods. We'll drink to our gods of, you know, all these different gold, this, this, this kind of stuff and everything. And the second that started happening and they were drunker than skunks and, and you know, having, thinking the time of their lives, God intersected their lives. Bam! Just like that. And the hand of God came like a hand of a man writing on the wall. And Belshazzar saw that, and he stopped, and his knees, it says, knocked, and his hips were loosened, and he was scared out of his mind, scared out of his mind. And it said uh, on it, in Hebrew, so he couldn't understand because it was always in Aramaic, that's what the, the writing at the time, so he called his goons, remember he called his goons and said, what does it mean, what does it mean? And they couldn't, of course, once again, not be able to interpret it. And then the queen comes in, and the queen says, ah, but I know a man, right, that you should know, that you should remember, right, that was during Nebuchadnezzar's. Now, you guys have to remember that Daniel started there at what time, how old was he when he was first besieged in Jerusalem? About 14, 14, 15, okay, 16, right, 14 to 17, they were, okay? All right, he is now 80. 
Okay, are you following me? He's, this isn't like he's just like 30 now in this. Okay, you have to remember, he has been in this Babylon where they couldn't change, you know, his name, because his name will always be Daniel, right? Even though they called him, you know, Belteshazzar, right? They, they couldn't change his belief because he was always going to pray before his mighty God, always going to know. So nothing around him could penetrate him. And he continued to keep on keeping on because from Daniel 1, it said he purposed in his... Heart. heart. He purposed in his heart. He purposed in his heart. He purposed in his heart. That's how we need to live. Nothing's going to rattle you. Nothing's going to shake you. Nothing's going to take you um, down the wrong road as long as you have purposed in your heart. And you keep purposing in your heart. And you keep purposing in your heart. Right? And so he continued to purpose in his heart. So now he's 80 and he continues to purpose in his heart. And now, you know, he's not like amongst all the magistrates and, and satraps and all the, you know, guys. But the queen goes, aha! There is a man with the Spirit of God that will be able to do that. You should remember that, Belshazzar. You should remember that. Nebuchadnezzar always used him this, this. So, bam, he comes out and he's able to tell him what the deal is. Okay? And he tells him to his face that um, this is not such good news. And he was not compassionate like he was with Nebuchadnezzar. With Nebuchadnezzar, he was compassionate because they had formed a bond, they had formed this and everything, and he, and, and he could see where Nebuchadnezzar was always like, well, now you must praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You must, you know, you must worship the God of Daniel until he became his God. Okay? But with, with Belshazzar, he did not do that. And so, when you look at um, 17, go to Daniel uh, 4, 17, um, Daniel is now uh, describing Belshazzar's sinful pride. Just in, in, I just want to wrap this up so we can kick in the lion's den. Uh, he tells him, he tells him in seventeen, let your gifts be for yourself. Remember, he says, look, I'll give you a big old gold, you know, gold this and purple robe and everything. I'll make you third in the country because he couldn't be second because he was second because Nabonidus was out being number one. Okay, so he gives him third in the, and he says. He says, this is what I'm going to do to you. And meanwhile, Daniel says, um, you remember Nebuchadnezzar? You remember, O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father a kingdom and majesty, glory, and honor because of the majesty that he gave him all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whomever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride... He was deposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. Then he was driven. In other words, he's going, remember this guy? You should remember this. You were around. Remember this? Remember this is what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. Okay? Um, that he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beast and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over it whomever he chooses. In other words, God humbled Nebuchadnezzar. Remember, you always want to humble yourself. You never want to have to get to the point where God humbles you. Okay? You want to humble yourself before the mighty arm of God. Okay? The spirit is always willing, but the flesh is weak. But the flesh is weak. Okay? They gave him, they fed him, let's see, okay, point, okay, but you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this. In other words, you know, Daniel is right in his face. You knew all this, and you still didn't humble your heart, okay? And you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. Now, when you lift up yourself against the Lord of heaven, that is a pride thing. That's like what Lucifer did. That's what he did in, in heaven when he was the you know, best angel, the most glorious angel, the most beautiful angel. And Jesus goes, or God goes, uh, no, not so much. Think and kicked him to, to um, earth for the time being with a third of the angels that went with him until he will have his final place in the, 
the lake of fire. So pride is something that he hates because he's God and we're not. And so he's saying to Belshazzar, you're pride now, you're blasphemy, you're going before and taking these cups and doing all this. Look what God did. He just intersected and here's, I want you to remember that this is what's going on. Okay? And so he says, um, they have brought the vessels of his house before you and you and your lords, your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know and the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways. Is that cool? Holds your breath in it, right? Every day has been ordained before one of them has come to be. Psalm 139 says, He holds your breath in His hand and, the, and owns all your ways you have not glorified. Daniel absolutely refused to be a man pleaser. Didn't he? Because, you know, when you purpose in your heart to please the Lord, guess what? You're not going to please men. It's not going to happen. You know what? In other words, you act rightly, we are called to act rightly before the Lord, and whatever else, you know, whoever reacts to you, you're not responsible for them. That's how Daniel lived. He acted rightly before the Lord. He was going to purpose in his heart. He continued to do so, and whatever anybody else said about him, what anybody else did about, you know, whatever, it didn't matter. Because he wasn't responsible for their reactions. He was responsible only to act rightly before the Lord, and that's exactly like your life. As long as you're living to please an audience of one, you are not responsible for anybody else's reactions to you. God will make that all right. Maybe not tomorrow, but in time. In time. He always does. He always does. David refused to be a man pleaser. He chose to be the faithful servant of God. Write down in, in parentheses there, he's like Galatians 1.10. That would be the New Testament equivalent to that. All right? So... Daniel was, tr- you know, Daniel was troubled when he had to tell Nebuchadnezzar the dream kind of thing. But, you know, this isn't the case here. Daniel is not impressed uh, with the successor of, of, of Nebuchadnezzar. And, and so he goes and he says, you know, the God who holds a breath in, God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you've not glorified, right? Remember we said the breath that we have as a creation of God, we are to praise the creator, right? Creation knows to praise the creator, Okay? The breath. We praise Him. We praise Him. Okay? Okay? We don't blaspheme God with our breath. We praise the Creator with our breath. And what Belshazzar did is he blasphemed God with his breath. Okay? And then all of his ways, he said, you know, God with all of his ways, that he should glorify, the creature should glorify the Creator. Okay? But Belshazzar used his ways to mock the Creator. To mock, you know, and offend God. Okay? Every creature owes something to the Creator. Every creature owes something to the Creator because He made you. He made you, and we need to live in that. We need to live in that. We need to live with knowing that every, everything is from Him, everything is to Him, Romans 11 says, and everything is from Him, through Him, and to Him. That's it. And we live in that, in that humility before Him that He's the one who, who keeps us as little dust balls, as Joe Briscoe would call us, continuing to go. Continuing to go. All right, so... <clears throat> In 24 through 28, then, Daniel tells Belshazzar get, that God's judgment is at the door. He says, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Perez, Okera, Parson. Which means this. It means, it means the word Mene is actually, um, a, each word stands for a short sentence. Okay, a short sentence. Okay, so Mene signifies numeration. Numeration. Which means, in Hebrew, it means, like, God had numbered 
uh, or God had Belshazzar's number and it fell short. Okay? In other words, here's, uh, here's your number and guess what? Nothing ever quite reaches up. Okay? It fell short. So that was enumeration. The uh, tekel is weighing. Weighing. Okay? It signifies weighing. And God weighed Belshazzar and he came up light. Okay, if you ever tried to do the balance kind of situation, well, I think I'm good enough, I think of this, I think I've done it, given enough, or gone to church enough or anything, guess what? You're always going to come up light. You're always going to come up light because it doesn't work that way. It's what he did for us and we accept that as a total payment for our past, present, and future sin and we live in the good of that by his grace, at the end of Second Peter, we realized you know, we stand in his grace. We, we start in his grace. We live in his grace. We stand in his grace. It's by his grace we're with him forever and ever and ever. It's always his grace. It's always his undeserved favor. So we'll never, ever measure up. We will never balance. And he was telling him, you don't measure up. You don't balance. Okay. And then that um, God would therefore divide Belshazzar's kingdom to the Medes and Persians because Perez or Parson means division means division. So meanwhile, you know, he's telling him this, okay? And and remember the cool thing is is how God always wins, right? He, always, he I just love how he sets it up. God sets it up. Yahweh God sets it up for the most glory. And so remember Babylon is huge. They think all, everything's fine. They think they have all the fortresses. They can just party on, do whatever they want, you know, laugh in the face and mock God all they want, right? Except it's going to come to an end. It's going to come to an end. And it came to an end then because what happened is the Medes and the Persians, okay, conquered Belshazzar and his kingdom only because they were found lacking, remember, in spiritual and moral value. Okay? That's how you're going to be conquered. If you're lacking in spiritual and moral value, you're going down. You're going down. And Babylon went down. They went down from the inside. They died from the inside. They were conquered from the inside. Because um, I read that to you last week, because that ancient Greek historian Herod, Herodotus, okay, Herodotus, Herod, Herodotus, okay, Persian King Cyrus conquered Babylon by diverting the flow of the Euphrates into a nearby swamp, lowered the level of the river so his troops marched right through the water under the river gates, but they would not have been able to go in had the bronze gates of the inner walls been left inexplicably unlocked, which they were, which God had prophesied 200 years prior, which you guys read this last week in Isaiah 44, 28 through 45, 7 and Jeremiah 51, 57 and 58. So God already had prophesied that this is how Babylon was going to fall because God opened the gates of the city of Babylon for Cyrus and he prophesied it 200 years prior to it happening. God's faithful. His promises are always faithful. You can always stand on his promises, okay? And so in 539 BC of October, 539 BC, Cyrus was able to conquer Babylon. Was able to conquer Babylon, okay? So, and remember Daniel's promoted Right, Daniel is promoted now, and so uh, he's like, okay, gets the purple robe, gets the gold, gets all this kind of stuff, okay. And it was only just for a few hours because um, what happens is we realize that the awards are so temporary, the accolades are so temporary here on earth, where the Lord says, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, I used to read that all the time. I used to think, it should say where your heart is, there your treasure will be. But you notice it doesn't say that. It says where your treasure is, it will show where your heart is. So if you're laying up stuff here on earth, you better check where your, where your heart is compared to laying up stuff for the day. Because it's where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay? 
So, um, so to ask yourself, where do we lay up those treasures? So then the death of Belshazzar and then the rise of Darius the Mede. Okay, so that night, Belshazzar, Chaldeans, he was slain. Darius the Mede received the kingdom. He was 62 years old. And, and I love this. And so, and so in, as our takeaway from chapter 5, I want you to realize that there are two big things. That God's judgment may seem slow, but it's always thorough. Judge, God's judgment may seem slow. You, may, you know, see, because he's long-suffering God. He doesn't want anybody to perish. He always gives him another chance, another chance, another chance, another chance, right? Even Nebuchadnezzar, after he told him the whole dream and gave him all those years and years of affluence and everything, he even gave him a whole other 12 months. Look, this is what's going to happen to you after the dream was, remember? And he said, this is what you're going to happen. And meanwhile, 12 months, he's still walking around going, my kingdom, my kingdom, it's the best. And then, bam, that day. While those were still in his lips, he had judgment, and he was cast out into the wilderness. Right? That's what happens. And so, and so, his judgment may seem slow, but it's always thorough. It's always his best. Okay? You know, out of his grace, once again, his undeserved favor, okay, God allowed Belshazzar every opportunity, every opportunity to turn from his gods and to Yahweh God. Every opportunity. Remember, we look at the outside. Where does God look? Inside our heart. He gave him every opportunity to, to turn, to repent, to turn, go the other way. Every opportunity. Um, but when Belshazzar tried to set himself up higher than God, that was enough. Then that was enough. He was deposed and he was allowed to be killed. That was enough. It was thorough. Okay, The Lord is patient. But he's not going to withhold his judgment forever. He's not going to withhold his judgment forever. Uh, write down Second Peter uh, three three through ten. We studied that last year, and I want you to read that this this week because because it, it shares that he's not going to withhold his judgment forever. And so we are not to take his compassion for granted by living our lives as we choose, rather than he desires. You know, otherwise, that's cheap grace. That's cheap grace. Oh, thanks. I'll just keep on sinning. I'll just keep doing what I want to do. I'll just keep on doing this. I'll just do whatever I want. Thanks. Thanks. You know, I'm saved by the hair of my chinny chin chin. Are you? Are you? Is there fruit? When you, you know, if you were, what, what's the old saying? If you were um, arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to prove that you are? Where's your fruit? Where's your fruit? Right? So, God's judgment may seem slow, but it's always thorough. And secondly, the takeaway from chapter 5 is, never underestimate the power of one godly life. Right? Never underestimate the power of just one godly life. Just one godly life. One guy who kept on keeping on, no matter what. No matter what was thrown at him, no matter how evil it was, no matter what, he had purposed in his heart and he kept on keeping on. Don't ever, ever underestimate the power of one godly life. Daniel is 80 years old, ladies, and he's highly respected. He's absolutely highly respected reputation amongst all the idolatry, amongst all the treason, amongst all the immorality. There's the guy we go to. There's the guy. The guy that has the spirit of the living God in him. There he is. There he is. Because you know why? Because that's how he lived for 80 years. Or 70 years. 
Right? That's how he lived. He lived doing the next right thing, the next right thing, overcoming now, overcoming now, overcoming now, purposing in his heart, purposing in his heart. I mean, ladies, put your head around how the, the circumstances that he lived within. Think about what he lived within. This was not Jerusalem where he was when he was 14 to 17 in the courts. Think about what God called him to. It was sin everywhere he looked. And he, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and some of the other Hebrew guys, I'm sure they were big prayer warriors together. I'm sure they were up burning the candles at night, praying and praying and praying that they would continue to walk, continue to purpose in their heart, continue to show God. We trust him. I mean, everything was against them, and they never faltered. He never faltered. All it takes is one life that people can point to and say, that person is the son of the living God. I want to be like that person. Wow, in the midst of all this, I want to be like that. I want to be like that. It's, it's all it takes, right? Because you know, God used Daniel because he kept his heart ready. Remember how we talk about how you keep your heart ready? And when God's fullness of time comes, bam, then he uses you. Then he uses you. All we have to do is keep our heart ready. Be like Jesus, right? Be like most high God. Purpose in your heart. Continue to do the next right thing. Right? That's it. And then when he purposes in his heart, his appointed time, then he chooses you. And you continue to walk in that. And that's what he did. Okay? And, and I, you know, my question to myself was, as I was finishing studying this, are you willing to be his spokesperson? Are you willing to be that one person, that one person who will make a difference for the sphere of influence that he's given you? That one person. All it takes is one person. That's it. And, and that person can be you. That person can be you. So, you know, and, and when you think about that one person, just think about in your life. Who in your life is a Daniel? Is a Daniel? My mom wants my Daniel. My mom. Who is your Daniel? Who's pointing you to, you know what? You can walk this. You can walk this. Prepared a new way. You're walking. You see how faithful he is. Who's your Daniel? And then are you being a Daniel? You can be the Daniel. You can be him. You can be the one that goes, you know what? I know there's this lady. You know what? The spirit of the living God lives in him. And point him to you. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's a great thing. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It matters who lives in you. Because He is your power. He's your power. And so when you're walking through that, people will see and they'll be pointed to, pointed to the one most high Yahweh God. And then guess what happens? He promotes you. He promotes you. He continues to do so. He's like, there you go. I can trust you. I can trust you. There you go. And, and somehow, some way, through all the garbage, you know, they don't believe in the one most high God, but guess what? You get promoted. You get something. There's a spoils and plunder. This, all through the Old Testament, there's always, with all the ites and all the ites and all the ites and all the wars and everything, there's always like, oh, by the way, there's spoils and plunder. Go get the spoils. Because there always is. There's a reward always. A reward here, a reward there. It's a win-win thing. It's always a win-win always a win-win to live like Daniel. Now you might be put in the lion's den, but that's okay. That's okay, because guess what? It's a win-win situation. 
it's a win-win. So open up the, uh, Daniel 6 because we're going to look at um, the most beloved Bible story, I believe, of all times. Okay? Most beloved Bible story of all times. I mean, I can still see it in, in Sunday school with the flannel graph with the big, big, uh, you know, big lions on it and Daniel just standing there looking up to the Lord. And the, and the lion's like... <laughs> we can't do anything! I remember, I, love, I remember looking at the thing in that. Rocks! That's so cool! That's so cool, right? Well, yeah, exactly. The most beloved Bible story, because there are so many dramatic features in this story. This is like a, a movie waiting to happen, okay? Because there's the jealousy of the political subordinates, which you're going to find, you know, right in the beginning. There's this jealousy going on, okay? Then there's the um, vanity of the king, which always happens, right? It's like, well, you know, they're appealing to his pride. Well, you know, I can't let my pride, my ego, I got to, you know. So there's this vanity of the king. There's the integrity of one man, of Daniel. The integrity of this one man. There's the power and the preservation of Yahweh God, the Most High God, right? And then there's, you know, some wild animals and some violence, okay? So it's for the making of a great movie. Making of a great movie, okay? And so um, I want, let, let's just read through it first before we uh, uh, start going uh, through it uh, verse by verse because we're going to stay in, in it for a bit because we're going to walk through um, the integrity of Daniel as he's in the line, as, as he's being either thrown in, in or out. Okay, so um, Daniel 6, okay? It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom. Now we'll learn who Darius is and as we go, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. Remember, Daniel ain't young anymore either, remember? Okay, so the satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. The satraps, by the way, are the guys who are government officials that can uh, govern over provinces or small groups of people. Okay, so they are given some type of authority, all right? Now Daniel, and then the three guys Daniel is a part of, his administrators, all right, they had to oversee the satraps so no hanky-panky went on. All right? uh, let's see. Um, now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Okay, once again, who is he living before? God. Right? I mean, I mean, you guys, he's not a favorite of the people who are trying to vie for all these positions. He's not a favorite, okay? But he just keeps doing the next right thing. And then what happens is, it's like, you know what? This guy is honest and this and that. I'm going to just continue to put him over the whole, whole group. Well, now they're mad. Great. Now this guy is going to put over the whole group, okay? So, um, and the satraps, by his exceptional qualities, that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could, no, they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we'll never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Okay, because they knew what? What did they know? He wasn't going to what? Stray away from who? His God. He was going to continue keeping on with the law of his God. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, Oh, King Darius, live forever, which they have to say. It's part of the deal. 
they have to say, you know, it's just like, you know, with the angels, right? Angels went to, went to school because they scared everybody. They had to go to school. And every time they'd have to say, fear not, fear not. I'm, I'm really an angel. I'm okay, right? It's the same thing. Every time you meet a king, oh, king, live forever. Okay, so, uh, oh, king Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, <laughs> thrown in the lion's den. You guys, there just happened to be a lion's den. I love that. There's, a, there's like a, you know, I don't know why I look back here all the time. At the, I always look right back here that this is the fiery furnace. Over here is the lion's den, right? But, there, you know, that all these things exist because... because yeah, there you go. Because because this is the way that they worked. If you don't obey, then you get, this is the deal. So they had all these different, you know, punishments set up for you. One of them is the lion's den. I wonder who got to feed those guys. If they were just people that they ate. Maybe. Right? Maybe they, nobody had to feed them. All right. Um, so, all right, let's see. Uh, where am I? Uh, administrative force? Okay. Eight. Eight, thanks. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So, King Darius put the decree in writing. First wrong move. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Don't you love this? He knows of the decree. And he's going to go and do the next right thing. Okay? Open toward Jerusalem three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about the royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or man except you, O king, we throw into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Now remember, the king doesn't realize it's Daniel, right? He goes, This stands. Oh, my ego, man. Absolutely. You've seen anybody? I mean, come on. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They're the tattlers, three of those Hebrew little guys stood up and they got to be thrown in, you said. And, you know, Nebuchadnezzar's like, You didn't really want to do that. You really didn't, right? You really just, just, just renounce it, right? I'm like, uh, No, we're not going to do that. What? You know, and then in they go, right? Same kind of thing. <laughs> then they said to the, to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to the king and said, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. (laughs) So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God... Remember, now, this king is now your God still. May your God rescue you, right? May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. What a statement. What a statement. What a statement. From a non-believer, 
full of, you know, idol worship, full of this, and look at Daniel and say, may your God, whom you serve continuously, rescue you. What, what a statement. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating, which is amazing, because they always drank and ate all night. Um, and without any entertainment, they always had all kinds of junk, being brought to him, and he could not sleep. Does that surprise you? At the first at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered. Now I wonder if Daniel just sort of did this. <laughs> do, 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 you know, as he's petting the lions, just giving him a little, you know. No, I don't think so. I think he answered right away. Daniel answered, O king, live forever. Right even then, he's given him the, what he's supposed to give, right? O king, my God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave order to, orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They didn't even smell like what? Fort Wilderness, right? They didn't even smell like a bonfire. They didn't even smell like it. Boom! They're out, not even singed, not even smelling like it. Because he had trusted in his God, at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. Okay, not just them now. Now it goes to the wives and children. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Before they reached the floor of the den. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Ben. Remember the big guys? Tied them all up, right? Boosh! It went out and killed them before they, as they opened the door. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language throughout the land, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He's rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Okay? I mean, what a story. What an amazing time of... of One man who had purposed in his heart continually all this time and God sets the scene to once again show his glory, to show who he is, to show the biggest glory, the most amount of time with the most people, sets it up. He just sets it up. He lets all this happen, which looks horrific like Joseph at the end of Genesis 50 verse 20, right? You guys all meant it for bad, but God meant it for good for the saving of many. For the saving of many. Same thing here. This doesn't look good. This looks horrible. This looks bad. But God means it for good for the saving of many. Right? That they could see. I mean, you guys, you have to realize at the end of Daniel 6, another revival is breaking out because people are coming to know the most, yeah, most high God. Over and over and over again. Through one man's integrity, purposing, knowing that the most high God 
Right? I, it just continues to happen over and over and over again. Okay, so Daniel, back in, in chapter in, in verse one there, Daniel is condemned to the lion's den, okay? Okay. He faced the penalty of death. Daniel's facing the penalty of death. You know why? Because he did what was right in the sight of God. Not because he did what was wrong. And ladies, the more and more we walk, and there's judgment in the United States of America, I'm telling you, the more we walk in the right, the more we walk, we're going to be judged. We're going to be, you know, from the outside, there's going to be, you know, penalties. There's going to be persecution because we're doing what is right before the sight of God. Don't let that scare you. Be a Daniel. Be a Daniel. We're supposed to be the salt here. We're supposed to be the light. Right? We're the ones that, that you know, the darker it gets, the brighter we get. Right? The light, yeah, but Fort Wilderness, there's no ambient light. You look at those stars, whoa, they look like they're right there, don't they? That's what we're supposed to be. We shine like stars in the universe. The salt, salt makes them thirsty, thirsty, thirsty for what's right, for what's true, for the living God, right? Right? Be a Daniel. There's no better time than now than be called to be a Daniel. Let me tell you, no better time. No better time as we're getting closer and closer to um, God hurrying up stuff, right? And so... And so what happens is, he's in the government of Darius, okay? I told you who the satrap guys are, and tell you who the three governors are, okay? And so, um, it pleased Darius, okay? Now, Darius, I want you to know that there in no secular books is there a man named Darius, okay? So you're like, oh, the Bible, something's wrong here. No, that's not true, okay? Because Darius is actually Gubaru, G-U-B-A-R-U, G-U-B-A-R-U, Gubaru, okay? Cyrus appointed a ruler over Babylon immediately after its capture, okay, when we read in chapter 5, okay, and that was Gubaru, whose name is Darius, because Darius is the, um, the, the sort of the honor title, meaning this, holder of the scepter. So he's really the viceroy of the city, okay, compared to Cyrus, who's the king, okay? So I want you to follow all this with that, right? So, um, and in ancient documents, when I was reading all this extra biblical stuff, show that the man Gubaru had the power to make appointments, to assemble armies, to levy taxes, and to possess palaces. So Gubaru, Darius, okay, was in the very real sense king over Babylon because of what he could do. Okay? Uh, so I, you know, I always want to make sure that that we know that the word of God is the word of God and it will always be true and it will, you know, as much as you try to prove it that it's not, it proves itself true time and time and time and time and time again. Yes, sweetheart. So if Cyrus was king at this time, where was he? Who, who, what, where? Help me. Cyrus? Cyrus. Was actually the king, you said? Cyrus had appointed him king. Oh. Had appointed him king. I'm sorry. Sorry. Had appointed him king. Okay. So, Amidst this, Daniel is distinguished himself. Okay, so as we learned that he distinguished himself amongst this. Okay, and so he obviously was shining above the other two government leaders. Right, he was shining above them, and so it said in the Revised Standard that he had an excellent spirit. That that they were drawn to him because he had an excellent spirit. Okay, he had a good attitude in his work, in his life, and this actually made him the object of the attack. Right, that's what happens. It makes you the object of the attack. What happens is, is people want to be like you, but then they get upset, and then they, then they pick on you. Then they persecute you. Then they say things to other people about you. You're, you become the object of that attack. 
Don't let that scare you. It happens all the time. I mean, especially when we were on the fish for five years, it was around, we were, we were, we were blasted constantly, constantly. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. You're living before the Lord. It matters what he thinks of you. It matters that he signs, you know, at the end of the day, he'll sign and say, good job, Margo. That away. This is the way to live. That's the way to go. That's all that matters. It's all that matters. And so that's the way that Daniel lived, okay? And so, you know, there's a plot going against him. He knows this. I mean, you know, he, he heard this. He went right back and did what? Did the exact same thing he always did. Opened the windows to the east, prayed, looked Jerusalem, that's his mighty God. Absolutely. Three times a day. And so when I was, when I was reading and studying this, I thought, you know, there are, there are four marks of integrity in Daniel. Four marks of integrity. And in the first one, I want to hit upon this. The first one was he had this excellent attitude. He had this amazing... You guys, if you walk around, yeah, I love Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, this, this. Oh, yeah, that's good. People are going to think that's just the great thing to do, right? Yeah, well, you know. I, I, you guys, we're not to have a melancholy spirit when you're following hard after Jesus. How can you? How can you? He's the author and the perfecter of your faith, right? He, 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 you know, your very breath is in his hands. I mean, you know, you need to live in such a grateful way that your attitude just shines for him. And it doesn't matter what comes up alongside because it's what's inside already that when life hits India, that spills out. That spills out. You know, you, you can't all of a sudden, you know, I was really horrible in college at times because I would, I would assimilate knowledge well, and I knew I would. So what I would do is, and I'm, a, and I'm, a, um, I'm not a visual learner, I'm a, a, an oral learner. I could read and read and read, and so I could, I could turn it visually into my head, and I could remember. So I would stay up and do an all-nighter, and then ace the test. And they, okay, see, so, but, but guess what? You can't work to deadline in your life. Okay, you need to continue to have your non-negotiable face-to-face time with Jesus. Meet together like this. Come along, prayer. Make sure that you're with him. Make sure that you know who he is. Make sure that you know who he is in you. Because when life comes up alongside, like the situation with Tori, which didn't surprise God at all. It did me. It did Brian. But you're already prepared because it's what you've been being prepared for. It's what's inside already when life bumps into you that spills out. You can't fake that. That has to be something that has to be continually purposed in your heart. Purposed in your heart. Who are you living before? Who do you want to live like? Who is your all in all? Who is this? You have to continue to live that and continue to do it daily, moment by moment by moment. Because when Daniel is put in another situation, he can't hurry up and work to deadline and go, oh, you know, I've got to act like this now. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's doing the next right thing. Next right thing. That's right smack dab in the center of God's will. And Daniel was right smack dab in the center of God's will going into the lion's den. Right there. Many would say, oh, that couldn't have been God's will. Oh, yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. This is God's will for Brian and myself and Tori and Becca right now. Yes, it is. You're right smack dab where he wants him. Right there. That's a good thing. And how are you going to walk through it? How are you going to walk through it? And his attitude just absolutely was shined. His attitude was amazing. 
He was positive. He was winsome. He was he was teachable. Um, this was a new. He's 80 years old. This is a new thing that he's doing. And meanwhile, it says he was looked up to. It, he was he, you know the it is people had met a man of integrity, an excellent spirit in him. You can obviously see that he had a teachable heart. He was winsome, and he continued to be positive. Okay, so here he is with all these new responsibilities. And and when you have those new responsibilities, what kind of attitude? do you display? Oh, great. Now i got to learn this. Now i got to do this. Oh, great. Now i got to walk through this. If you want to walk through it by yourself, that's what it's going to be. But if you want to let him, where you don't ever let go of his hand, and he takes you through it, that's the way he wants to walk you through it. And then your attitude can be that of Daniel. It can be that of Daniel. And so he has this amazing uh, mark of integrity of his attitude, an excellent, excellent attitude, where he said an excellent, excellent spirit. Daniel had a good attitude in his work and life, and this made him the object of the attack. Okay, Because they were what? They were jealous. They knew that, you know, uh-oh, it looks like he's going to reign over everybody. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. No, 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 I want that. I want that. Me, me, me. I want that, right? So... In verses 4 through 9, what happens then is that a plot against Daniel is conceived by these guys and then initiated, okay? And so uh, they plotted against it, which we read, and they wanted to find some charge against Daniel. They knew that they couldn't find any charge against him regarding his work, regarding his ethics, regarding all that kind of stuff, but they knew they could find a charge against him. How? With his God. With his God. Because they had observed that this is how he walked. Day after day after day after day after day. And so they then made up saying, okay, what we'll do is we know he's not going to stop this because this is who he is. So we will go around and we'll say, look, for 30 days, you can't do that. Everybody in the kingdom's got to bow down to your gods, to you king, oh king. Right, you've got to do all this. Okay, and if they do, then boom, into line's done. Now wouldn't you think Darius would say, well, why? You know, I mean, really? What? I, you know, things are going okay. I mean, what? You know, wouldn't you? Wouldn't, you know, but God allows that. He allows that, right? For our good and for His glory, because He's got the bigger picture, right? You guys, we see the snapshot of our life. We see a little tiny snapshot of our life. He sees the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. He sees it all, and He's like, no, 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 no. See, I want you to walk through this right now because this is going to glorify me, big, big time. You might not know it right now, but just keep walking with me. It will be revealed. You watch. You watch what will happen. And so, and so they do all this, right? And they couldn't find any charge. They couldn't find any fault in him because he was faithful. Because he was faithful. Daniel was a faithful man, okay? And they sought to look for a flaw in him, in his actions and in his character, and they came up empty. They couldn't find anything wrong with the guy in his actions and his character because he was faithful, okay? Second mark of integrity. Not only was his attitude great, but he was faithful in his work. He was faithful. They couldn't find anything wrong in his character, in his, in his work. He was faithful in his work. Proverbs 20, verse 6, talks about being an honest, diligent worker and being faithful, and being faithful, okay? In other words, his job performance was under major scrutiny and he came up Smelling like a rose. Smelling like a rose. Okay? Continually. You know, when, when, you, when you compare that to nowadays, 
When you compare that to a candidate or a nominee for an office um, that they're set under a type of scrutiny, I mean, you know, imagine looking at Daniel for 50 years in public service and they could find nothing wrong. <coughs> That's unheard of. That's unheard of. They could find nothing wrong, okay? There were no fraudulent expense accounts, right? There, there were no intern scandals, okay? There were no questionable business deals. There were no gifts from lobbyists, right? There are no accusations from his staff, okay? There were no closets in Daniel's life. None. Was he ever married? Daniel? You know what? I don't believe so. No, I, because he was 14, 17 there? Uh-uh. No, it doesn't ever mention it. Yeah. I mean, there were absolutely no... Why, were you thinking the wife would be the bad thing? Or? <laughs> there were no closets. I mean, excuse me, there were no skeletons. Nice, Renee. In, in, uh, in Daniel's closet. And so what happened is his enemies, his enemies went and looked for everything they possibly could do to attack him. Okay? Because, because he's choosing right. Okay, and that's what's going to happen in your life. That's called persecution. Your enemies are going to look for everything they possibly can in your life because of how you're walking. Because you're walking as the joy of the Lord is your strength. And they're going to look for everything they possibly can. And what happens is, is they found nothing that they could attack. And so they had to make up something. Right? Then they had to make up something. They couldn't find anything to call them on, so then they had to make up something. That's what happens. Then they'll make this up. Then they'll make this up. Or they'll say this about you. Or they'll do this about you. They have to make up something. Or you'll know, use the beguilement. Little tiny truth. Lots of emotion. That's not true. That's not true. Right? And that's what they'll do. And they'll continue to do that because they want you to fail. They want, they want you to fail. They want you to falter. They want your character to crumble. Because you know why? Because theirs is. They want to be Right? They want to be recognized. They want it. How does this affect me? That's what happens. And so, and so I want you to do, I want you to look at about this faithfulness, okay? He not only was, uh, his attitude was amazingly great, okay? That he had this excellent attitude in his work, but he was faithful in his work. And I want you to look up these um, scriptures this week because I want you to see how Daniel lived and it's out of the New Testament okay he lived this way Ephesians 6 5 through 8 Colossians 3 22 through 24 and you know when I give you these I want you to read the whole context of it. So I'm giving you the specific verses, but I want you to go back where the subhead is and look at and read the little concordance kind of thing. Read the whole context so that you understand, okay? Colossians 3, 22 through 24, 1 Timothy 6, 1 and 2, and then Titus 2, 9 through 14. Titus 2, 9 through 14. See, we want our job performance to be able to withstand the scrutiny that Daniel's went up under. We want that to be. And, and uh, it's, it, I, I, was, I was studying this um, even this morning. Um, Brian does a, a lot of flex office time at home uh, unless he's traveling and stuff uh, uh, with Rockwell. And, um, and he looked at me and we were just having conversation and he said, well, you know, I, I, I'll need then to do this um, 
for a couple hours then and, and be able to finish that because I, I mean that's that would only be the right thing to do for the company. I just can't, you know. And I mean, just comes out of him, just flows out of him. Yeah, and and you know, he's been there 25 years, and I think, wow, that's a guy who would go underneath the job performance scrutiny, and you couldn't find a flaw with him because he continues, he continues to be faithful. He knows that this is what it is. He could easily lax, he could easily slack, but he does not. He's like, well, no, then then this and this because. And I thought, wow, how sweet is that? That it's not. You know, a get-by mentality. It's not, you know, uh, put this on the expensive report, whatever. It, it's it's living that absolute job performance that we're to live. And and ladies, that 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 whatever job we're called to do, it doesn't matter if it's an outside job or you're a stay-at-home mom, right? It doesn't or homemaker. It doesn't matter. It's that you're doing it for the glory of Him. You're doing it to your best. You're not robbing time. You're not doing this, but you're doing it for him. And then the last one I want you to write down is, is this, I want because I want you to have a little homework this weekend, uh, or this week, I should say, is that not only did he live with an excellent attitude, but with, a, with faithfulness in his work, okay? But he had personal purity. Personal purity, okay? Because it goes on in verse, I think it's 8, where it says, there was no error or fault found in him. There was no error or fault found in him. That's personal purity. Personal purity, okay? In other words, that means you don't say one thing and do another. Right? That's hypocrisy, right? You don't say one thing and do another, okay? Um, In other words, you don't give this appearance of being holy and then you're hiding sin. And then you're living a lifestyle of sin. There's unconfessed sin. There's, there's that kind of, you know, like for instance, you know, it would be very easy on the outside to rationalize and say, oh, well, you know what? Um, this isn't everybody's... Um, um, this situation with our daughter isn't everybody's business, and this is kind of thing and everything. And I could, you know, I could have very easily rationalized that. Where do you go when you rationalize things? You fall. You fall. You fall. You start, and what happens is, is then you then you start believing the lie because rationalization is a lie. And who's the father of lies? Satan, right? And so you start this, and what happens is, is that um, then you can give this appearance of holiness, right? That you're set apart and this, this kind of thing, and you know she's the teacher, and she would know, and I look up to her, whatever kind of you know fallacies that can happen in that situation. And what happens is, is that inwardly, it's not that I'm hiding sin, but I'm not being truly honest with you. I'm not sharing my 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 heart that that you know what. That this is the way we are right now. That this is the way we're walking. That this is what God has allowed in our lives. See, and so what happens is, is then you start living sort of a dichotomy. You sort of start living, well, you know, this or that. Or what, are you kidding? You want to live trans... Do you need this, sweetheart? Um, that you, want, you want to live transparently. You want to live transparently before Him. Because you know what? How, it, it, it's, it's, it's who you are in Christ that matters. And if there comes any pride in anything, right, now you're going to have to be humbled. Now you're going to have to be humbled before the mighty hand of God. And you want to humble yourself before he humbles you, right? Right, so you just go, you know what, Lord? Thank you for this. And then you appreciate the body of Christ who comes around you. And who's praying and lifting up because guess what? It's prayer that works. I'm telling you, it's prayer. 
It's prayer that moves the hand of God. It's prayer. It's prayer. One, two, three, first, second, third, last. It's always prayer. It's always prayer. And so, you know, as I was as I was studying this, I thought, Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for just like that little tiny. It wasn't a, like Daniel, but for that little tiny um, reminder that this is how we're to walk. We're to walk transparent with one another. This reminds me of um, I was reading on the computer a few days ago, and you know who's really being persecuted is Tim Tebow. They can't find anything wrong, so they make up lies, make fun that he's a virgin. I mean, it doesn't matter how many of these sports figures go out with all these other women when they're married. And Tim Tebow, he is so persecuted. Yep. But whose glory is it for? The Lord's. Somehow, some way, right? People, you know, they, they mean it for bad, but God means it for, for good. For what? The saving of many. The saving of many. It's always that. So pray for him. I pray for him all the time. <coughs> the Lord gave him that public stance, that figure. He trusts him with that. And you know what? He's fine with it. He just keeps purposing in his heart. Purposing in his heart. It's just like Daniel. He's just like Daniel. So I want you to write this down before I'm going to let you go. This personal purity comes, uh, the way that Daniel's living, personal purity, comes from these New Testament scriptures. James 1, 22 through 27. James 1, 22 through 27. And then 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16. And then lastly, 1 John 3, 2 through 10 and 17 and 18. 1 John 3, 2 through 10 and 17 and 18. But just, you know, read that whole area. But so. Could you tell me, uh, James, Peter, 1, 14 through 16. So those are the, the three I want you to, to study this week, okay? In other words, he has four marks of integrity. We didn't touch on the fourth yet. But the first is that he is faithful, or excuse me, that he's an excellent attitude. Second, that he was faithful in his work. And thirdly, he's got personal purity, that there was no error or fault found in him. Now, you guys, I want you to leave this. That didn't mean he was sinless. Okay? That doesn't mean you're sinless. We are, we sin because we're sinners. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. That's how we're, our bent is. That's where we're born into this world that way. Okay? And so he's not without sin. Okay? He wasn't, but he wasn't without sin, but he was a man of great integrity. He allowed his mighty God to overshadow, overpower that sin nature. That's sin nature. So he was able to live that. And he lived blameless conduct in his professional life. Okay? Whatever your professional life is, I don't, you don't have to make money to have a professional life. How are you being viewed? How are you being viewed? Being viewed like a Daniel? That's what we're supposed to be viewed as. Right? That's who we're supposed to be. Our attitude, no matter what. And you guys, Daniel didn't have it easy. And he's looking realizing he's going to be thrown into the lion's den because he goes home and right away goes, hey, I'm before you, God. Right? He didn't have it easy. See, we think, oh, well, you know, easy peasy. Of course they live like that. He didn't have it easy. And quite frankly, no matter what your life is, and one of the ladies on Monday night said, Margo, you've always shared, what's our life? We're either coming in a problem, we're in a problem, or we're coming out of a problem. Right? That's our fallen world. That's our fallen world. And if you go through that without Jesus, you're sunk. You're sunk. 
Let's pray. Lord, thank you. We love you. We thank you so much that, uh, that, you, that you are Yahweh God. That the truth upon truth upon truth, that we can be a Daniel. That it doesn't matter what we're walking through. But it matters who we have our faith in. Who we trust. Who we look to. Who we have purposed in our heart to be like. Thank you, Jesus, that, that um, no matter what happens, that you have the control, that you have everything in control. Whether it's our country, whether it's the world, whether it's the world of our, our families, of our extended families, of our, of our marriages, of you know, just ourselves. Lord, you have that control. We need to give you that control. We need to fall before you and realize that you are God. And we are so thankful. Thank you that you died, Jesus, and allowed the Holy Spirit to come to reside in us so that we can walk in power, in might, in a sound mind, without fear. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for going before us. Thank you that we want to feed the Holy Spirit and not our flesh so the Holy Spirit will win time and time and time again. Lord, give us the desire to have an attitude like Daniel's, to be faithful like Daniel, and to have that personal purity like Daniel. Lord, go deep inside of us this week. Speak to us through your scripture. May we be changed, and may we come out on the other side more and more like you and less and less like our putrid selves. Lord, we love you to pieces. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen? Amen, amen. amen, amen. So... We're going to be in the lion's den again next week, okay? And uh, so, but I want you to read those scriptures so you can see integrity. Well, if there are any prayer requests, um, I think Pam has been ill. Yes. You will. Excellent. Okay. Give them to Lynn. Lynn will get them to Pam. Pam has been ill, so we appreciate that. <laughs> Charles Stanley. It's it. simple.